what is happiness? What is not happiness? And is there a key to happiness? In this episode, I look at happiness through the polyvagal theory. My name is Justin Sinceri. I am a licensed marriage and family therapist helping you to finally get the trauma relief that you deserve and need. Welcome to Stuck Not Broken. This podcast is not therapy, nor is it intended to be a replacement for therapy. So this is where we're starting off this episode. Uh, there's this thing called Chat GP GPT, which is this open source AI thingamajig, and you can type in, talk to it like normal, and it'll respond with pretty much whatever you're looking for. And so you can ask it questions uh, or ask it to write a um a paper for you or, or, or something like that, or ask for YouTube titles. That's kind of what I've used for it so far. Uh, but I also had asked it, what's the key to happiness? Or is there a secret to happiness? Something like that. Because somebody in my uh, discussion group, it's a private discussion group for the people in my courses. Someone had posted a article title, something about how uh, healthy relationships are the key to happiness. And it's like, okay, well, yeah, sure, that's great. But we know that, that you kind of need a polyvagal state of safety in order to get those healthy relationships, right? So I decided to ask ChatGPT, this open source AI software thing, what's the key to happiness? And Kayla here is going to read off what ChatGPT said to me. And Kayla is another uh, AI voice generated software thing. Happiness is a complex and subjective concept, and what brings happiness to one person may not necessarily bring happiness to another. However, some key factors that have been found to contribute to happiness include having strong relationships with loved ones, having a sense of purpose or meaning in life, feeling a sense of control over one's life and circumstances, having a positive outlook and being able to find joy in small things, and taking care of one's physical and mental health. So topic number one that I want to delve into is, first off, what the heck is happiness? We're going to talk about what is not happiness. And later on, uh, I'll answer the question, is there a key or a secret to happiness? So what is happiness? That's the first part here. Uh, I think it's, for me, it's, you know, it's what chat GPT laid out there. Uh, I thought that was a pretty good explanation. I, I'm, I'm on board with that, as read off by Kayla. I think overall, life satisfaction is part of happiness. Having a well-regulated and balanced um, range of emotions, that's that could be happiness. Uh, achievement, I, I, for me, that's a big part of it. I, I, for myself and for the people I work with, that having some level of achievement and success in life is connected to happiness as well. But you can also have happiness through uh, solitude, so just being alone. You could have happiness with connection as well, having connection with others. But for our purposes here, and what makes this different is that we understand happiness as being an emotion that stems from the safety state. Now, I don't know if happiness is a single emotion. I think that happiness can be experienced in different ways. And so we might say that when we are experiencing happiness, that really it's joy or connection. It might be pride, it might be achievement, like I mentioned earlier, it may be feeling like success, uh, maybe awe is an experience of happiness for us, maybe delight or surprise. So the idea here is that there's many 
other types of feelings or experiences that we would look back and say, you know, I was happy in that moment. I was experiencing happiness, but more particularly, there might be a, a uh, more specific type of happiness that we were going through. So like, like the experience of joy might be different than surprise, but both of those, I think we could connect to some general feeling or experience of happiness. The way that I'm describing happiness then is not just like a feeling, but a, a word that we use as like a placeholder for other feelings. I'm not quite sure if happiness has a singular experience. Now, obviously we work and experience these emotions differently betwixt each other, but I don't know if happiness is in and of itself a singular emotion, but maybe it's more of a placeholder word that we use for other more specific feelings or emotions that have um, just positive associations with them. Happiness, I think, has a certain kind of a look as well. Uh, I think smiling is part of happiness. Though not necessarily, I think if you're existing in stillness or if you're existing in awe, that you could look back and say, I was happy in that moment where I was experiencing awe. But you may not necessarily have been smiling, but you could. So I think, but generally, happiness is going to have um, smiling associated with it. I think laughter might be in there. Eye crinkles might be in there all those safety state things, right? I think connection with others is typically going to be a part of happiness or connection with yourself and and being in the present moment and just kind of connecting with what you have going on inside of you. I think that being in the present moment is a, a pretty big part of happiness though. Happiness we know as being the result of being in the safety state. All these different emotions, the feelings, the experiences that I laid out and a whole bunch more I just can't think of right now. All of these come from primarily being in a polyvagal state of safety and social engagement or having enough anchoring in your safety state in order to feel these things because happiness can feel different ways. So all those things that Kayla listed for us when, when she read off that chat GPT answer, all those things come from being in the safety state. Once you're in the safety state, then you can do the things that are listed in that answer and like in that uh, the headline that was originally shared in my discussion group, having healthy relationships is part of happiness, but I would say it's the uh, it's the secondary or even tertiary result of being in a polyvagal state of safety and social engagement. We'll talk about that more later on. The autonomic state here is the primary factor. So instead of looking at healthy relationships are the primary factor and then it leads to happiness. What I'm saying is that happiness comes from safety and then leads to healthy relationships with others. And of course, it's self-reinforcing as well. But in, in my opinion here, the autonomic state is the primary factor and all of us polyvagal nerds, that shouldn't be a, a radical revolutionary statement. Happiness we know can also come in different forms. I don't mean just the feelings that I listed, but I mean more of the polyvagal state, the primary state of safety and social engagement, but also the mixed states of play and stillness. Happiness, I don't think, comes from flight or fight or shutdown or freeze when those are the dominant flavors of your system. But when you can have those defensive states or defensive mixed states, 
like freeze. When you can have elements of those active along with happiness, or sorry, along with safety, then there might be an experience of kind of happiness. Even when you're in a freeze state, freeze in a defensive state is very paralyzed and panicky or even rageful, I suppose. But if you're anchored in safety and able to access freeze, you can do that through watching a horror movie. You can do that through scaring the crap out of each other. You'll go into a, a mild, uh, very temporary free state as you tense up and as you brace for something scary to happen on screen. And you can look back and say, that movie was terrifying, but I was happy in that moment. I was also I was connecting with, with, uh, with my friends as we watched that movie. If you're in flight or fight, but your safety state's active, then you're going to be in play. And yeah, play is going to be... Uh, you're probably gonna, probably going to have some element of happiness when you play. So happiness can come from being anchored enough in your safety state and even accessing the defensive states. Happiness, though, it is not felt in a primarily defensive state, I don't think. I don't think that if you're existing in a flight, fight, shutdown, or freeze primarily or in a dominant defensive state that you're going to experience happiness. What What's not happiness then? You know, a lot of my therapy clients, when I ask them how they're doing, they'll say I'm good or I'm fine. Uh, they won't say they're happy. What, what they're saying is that they are, well, unless they're actually, you know, doing something leading to happiness and anchoring in their safety state. What they're saying when they're good or, or, or when they're fine is that they're just not feeling the, the uh, emotional dysregulation. Now, that could come from actually anchoring in their safety state and practicing the skills that we're doing in therapy, but that's not what I'm talking about. I'm talking about more of that person that is numbing their pain through phone usage or some sort of behavioral adaptation. Usually it's the phone usage, especially with the teens that I'm working with. So for them, um, they feel fine or good, which doesn't really have much of a meaning to it besides saying, well, I'm, I'm just not feeling the dysregulation right now. And that's typically because they're distracting themselves from that pain through some means. And I would say that's not happiness. I would say that's not happiness. If you're distracting yourself from your pain, that's, there's a function of that and you can cope with life that way. And that's has a temporary function. Absolutely. I don't want you to stop doing that, but, um, I would say that that's not happiness. That does not involve accessing your polyvagal state of safety and connection with yourself or with others. So that's not happiness. Hey, by the way, real quick, do me a favor and subscribe or follow this podcast. It would mean a lot to me. Thank you so much if you're already doing so. When you do, um, it gives you access to the next episode immediately as it comes out. And it also tells the platform that you're using that this is worth following. So that would mean a lot to me. Thank you so much. So the next question here, following up from this is, well, is there a key or is there a secret to happiness? Um, there are so many books out there that, that say there is right. And they have, they have it they, and they want to sell it to you. And that's, I respect that. That's fine. I would say, no, there's not. Um, I don't think there's a key. I don't think there's a secret to happiness. Usually the things that we associate as being keys to happiness 
are a result of accessing your safety state. So things like better relationships, forgiveness, having empathy for other people, getting being uh, successful, uh, having a purpose to your life, having a positive outlook. And the stuff that um, Kayla had read off earlier, all of these come from primarily having an access to and being grounded in your polyvagal state of safety. These are not secrets. These are not keys to happiness. They are the result of safety, of being in a safety state. Not, I don't mean exactly literal safety in the environment, or, but I, I mean, uh, or, or interpersonally. No, I mean more you're accessing your biological pathways for safety. Really then we're, we're very backwards in how we understand happiness and how to get to happiness. We look at the results of happiness. We would look at, we're looking at things backwards. We're looking at what happens after we have are accessing our safety state and then attributing it to happiness as being a key to unlocking happiness. So we're looking at those healthy relationships that develop after being grounded in your safety state. And we're saying, oh, the healthy relationships caused the happiness. And of course, it's going to reinforce it. But I would say primarily forgiveness, empathy, healthy relationships come after being grounded in your safety state. And I'm not talking about having healthy co-regulation and safe relationships in childhood. I'm talking about more as you get older and coming out of a traumatized state that you kind of first have to have some level of self-regulation if you're doing this on your own to get to safety, which then would lead to the things that we associate with happiness. But no, instead we look at things um, very much kind of like in the reverse order. We look at well, you have to have empathy first. You have to have compassion first, and then you'll be, finally, you'll be able to be happy. But these aren't things that you can just flick on. You, you can't really just turn on empathy. You can't really just turn on forgiveness or he healthy relationships. You can't just turn on success exactly. Like, how do we have these things first in, you know, in the first place? Like, how do we have strong relationships with loved ones in the first place. No one ever explains that. They don't, I don't, I don't think, um, they don't really explain how to flick that switch in order to then feel happy. Actually, I went ahead and asked uh, ChatGPT and Kayla's going to read uh, what ChatGPT says are 10 ways to improve relationships. And we'll see, maybe there'll be an, uh, something in here that we can latch onto in order to get better relationships in order to get and then to get happiness. One, communicating openly and honestly. Two, showing interest and actively listening to what they have to say. Three, showing empathy and understanding. Four, being reliable and dependable. Five, being willing to compromise and make sacrifices. Six, showing gratitude and appreciation. Seven, spending quality time together. 8. Being supportive and encouraging. 9. Being able to forgive and move on from conflicts. 10. Continuously working on the relationship through effort and commitment. All 10 of these, though, seem to require some level of safety state activation as well. 
So we don't, no one tells us how to have the strong relationships in order to get to happiness. They say have strong relationships will equal happiness. Okay, but how? And then ChatGPT here gives us 10 examples. But even then, all of those, I think, require some level of safety state activation. So the issue is not what makes you happy or what's the key to happiness. The issue for our purposes becomes what first brings you to safety so that you can then be able to do the things that will lead to happiness. So what brings you to safety to be able to, to, to have the open and honest communication necessary to have the strong relationships with loved ones that will help you to feel happy? It's not simply how do you get better relationships to feel happy? It's what brings you to safety and opens you up to connection in order to do the things like having healthy communication, to have stronger relationships. Or what, what as another example, what helps to ground you in safety, which then allows you to have a stronger uh, anchoring maybe in your values and your healthier boundaries in order to have more empathy and connect with people and build stronger relationships, which will then help you to reinforce or to feel happiness. It comes down to what grounds your body in your safety state. So for, for me, my example here is when I'm more dysregulated, uh, sometimes I just feel like numbing out and playing video games. It, it's a distraction. It's not, grounding me in my safety state it's simply distracting myself and there's a there's a there's that's fine like like that can be okay i'm not saying don't do that that could be abused that could be taken too far all these little behavioral adaptations that we do so mine is uh, i'll go to video games maybe uh that's not grounding in safety it's it's purely distraction for me the alternative to that through self-regulation would, would be that I ground myself in my safety state through mindfully experiencing the present moment. I listen to what my body needs and maybe it needs quiet. Maybe, maybe it needs movement. So I listen to what my body needs. And then when I'm grounded, I am able to then connect with my wife uh, or play with my kids. I'm able to make dinner in happiness, even though I absolutely hate cooking. So if I just play video games, I don't get to do those things. That, that, that just distracts me and numbs me out, kind of. But when I ground myself through mindfully experiencing my present moment, then I can do the things like connecting with my family or, or maybe even like uh, mindfully experiencing the scents and flavors and smells of making dinner. So I have to ground myself in safety first, and then I'm able to do the things that bring me feelings of happiness. So the things are not the primary factor. The, to me, from I, the way I understand things is the safety state is the primary factor, which then allows me to do the behaviors that will then trigger or help me to reinforce feelings of happiness. If you're interested in my courses, Building Safety Anchors would be the recommended course for discovering and building your safety state. And then once you have more anchoring in your safety state, a stronger vagal break. Once you have developed that safety state strong enough, you'll be able to then work on further trauma if that's what you're going for. But just for our purposes with this episode, 
the more you anchor yourself in your safety state, the more happiness you'll potentially be able to create. So it's not about like do this behavior, do that behavior. It's how do you build the strength of your safety system? Can you identify what it feels like? Do you know what mindful practices help you feel more safe, more in your safety state? And then can you build from there into happiness? You can go to justinlmft.com slash build safety to learn more about building safety anchors. Justinlmft.com slash build safety. Go easy on yourself though. Happiness is not easily attained, I don't think. I feel like I'm still working on it. There's plenty of things that I'm working on that help me to feel more in my safety state, more connection, more happiness even. So it's not easy. Go easy on yourself. Um, And it's possible, I would say it's definitely possible to feel happiness even when you're living in a generally traumatized state. It's, It's difficult. And it's probably more difficult to access your safety state and stay there. Yes, 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 I know. But generally, it is possible. What I would encourage you to do is not look for that one technique or behavior that somehow triggers a feeling of happiness. That's not, I I would actually encourage you to identify what helps you to feel more grounded in your safety state, to experience that, to build that. And then from there, how do you use that as a platform to then uh, feel more happiness. I do have a nifty gifty for you. It is my polyvagal checklist. I'm talking about a whole bunch of polyvagal stuff. If you need to brush up on that or if you need some guidance, uh, go to justinlmft.com slash polyvagal checklist. And there you can download a really simple one sheet I have for you that has the essentials of the polyvagal theory. As you're learning it, just check it off or use it as a guide on what to learn next. You can do that as well. JustinLMFT.com slash polyvagal checklist. Thank you so much for listening, fellow Stuckna. I do hope this episode has been a helpful resource for you in your process of learning about and applying the polyvagal theory. Bye. This podcast is not therapy, not intended to be therapy or be a replacement for therapy. Nothing in this creates or indicates a therapeutic relationship. Please consult with your therapist or seek for one in your area if you are experiencing mental health symptoms. Nothing in this podcast should be construed to be specific life advice. It is for educational and entertainment purposes only. More resources are available in the description of this episode and in the footer of justinlmft.com.